welcome to Bottom Line's Conversations with the Experts. I'm Sarah Heiner, President of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Mark Agronin, a board-certified geriatric psychiatrist and director of mental health services, clinical research, and the outpatient memory center at Miami Jewish Health. Dr. Gronin is also the author of the new book, The End of Old Age, Living a Longer, More Purposeful Life. So welcome, Mark. Now, this is now our second conversation. We're going to do a series of four talking about this important new book and how society is getting it wrong about aging. And you've identified and talked about the whole other aspect to the aging process that we're all missing as individuals and as society, yes? Absolutely. And But when we see how much we have, it really makes all the difference in terms of how we look at aging and then how we age as well. Yeah. And so we talked about it a little in the last segment, about the five elements of wisdom that people can be. They can be a savant, a sage, a curator, a creator, or a seer. And these are all elements of knowledge and roles in society, right? But let's talk now about how somebody could find those areas. Because I think one of the biggest challenges is that they don't, I mean, people kind of are programmed to not realize their own self-worth as we age. Society sends these messages of you're not worthy, you're failing, you're eroding. And we want your whole message to be that there's a whole other layer there that we need to learn to appreciate. That's right. We get too caught up in the negative and just looking at decline and what's not working out, you know, the, the half full glass. And it's easy to miss out on everything that we do have. And yet it's very easy to identify it. And, and that's really the good news. I, I give you, I, I'll give you a good example if if anyone is facing a financial difficulty or something they want to decide can i spend on something you know you fall back on you know what are you, what's your financial portfolio what are your assets um you know what's your your how much spending power do you have what's your insurance you know we do that all the time we don't think twice about it what i suggest and this really comes from the work of gene cohen who is one of the founders of my own field of geriatric psychiatry that we also have to have a social portfolio. We need to look at what are our personal assets, meaning what are our interests, what are our abilities, what do we like to do, what do we think we can do in the future, what are our inner resources. And when you sit down and really take stock of that, either on your own, but best with people who really know you, you know, you end up with this amazing list uh, that really should fill you with a sense of accomplishment and potential. And that's really what it's all about. It's, it's not that difficult, but it does require a different mindset. Well, and being open and realizing that what you take for granted really may be a skill that other people don't have. So I have this interesting exercise in your book where you help people realize what you call the reserve of wisdom. So let's walk through that. I think a little bit, and then people can, like, how do they start to find what their reserve of wisdom is and start to identify what the magic they have within them that can be shared in different ways as they're aging. Sure. Well, I this is where I use the five different types of wisdom as a template. And so I, ha I after, you know, explaining to someone this, these different types of wisdom, I simply have people make a grid where they write, you know, f five different boxes. And in each box, they write about how are you a savant? What's your core knowledge, experience and skills? And then how are you a sage? You know, what are the what roles do you play? What are your values? Um, in terms of decision making, in terms of, you know, helping other people. Um, how are you a curator? What are your social and community interests? What are you involved in? How do you bring people together? 
Um, how are you a creator? What type of creative activities or roles or interests do you have? And it doesn't have to be artistic. That's one thing that's important to emphasize that being creative is not just being an artist. You can be creative in relationships, in problem solving, in so many different areas. And then finally, you know, how are you a seer? What are your spiritual, religious, or philosophical interests and perspectives? And once you lay that down, you end up with, for many people, in some ways, a surprising list of all these different things that when you look at on one sheet of paper altogether, uh, you really realize how much you have and how much you can work with. And, you know, let's get some examples of what the people, like the case studies you have in your book, what goes into some of these boxes? Because again, like even me sitting here thinking, what are my skills that I come from? Like what would I put in a savant or as a sage? You know, it's hard for people to identify. So again, I know like if I've cured cancer, I know I did something significant. But just the act of simply making family dinner and having everybody there on Sunday night and bringing that family together is an important role that has really impacted other people in their lives and impacted them and helped them grow as an individual. So let's, let's outline what's in some of these boxes. Sure. So I'm going to give the example of Norma, because uh, Norma, she's just a delightful woman and she, you know, she's older and has faced a lot of adversity. And I make the point that even if Norma with every, all the difficulties and dilemmas she's faced can have a really rich chart, all the more so that people who are younger and, and, and you know, in, in really good, you know, physical and mental shape can do. So first in terms of a savant, you know, Norma, and when she was younger, was a dancer, was an actress. Obviously she doesn't do that anymore, but she loves to do playful things with, with her family. She loves to play different roles in her family. Um, she has a great sense of humor and she's an expert or she's originally from Barbados and she's an expert at making something called great cake, which is the, uh, it's kind of the, the Barbados, uh, form of plum pudding. And, uh, you know, she's involved with this for, for months later in the year with her daughter and with her granddaughters. So this is her, her role as a savant. In terms of a sage, you know, she's the matriarch of her family. She's the oldest one in the family, her children, her grandchildren, everyone seeks her guidance, her approval. And whenever they go, Norma is there. She is, is in many ways the glue that holds them together. And they turn to her when, when they need something. Um, in her church, she is someone who uh, is always greeting people and the pastor relies upon her as, as a role model for other people. In terms of a curator, um, she at her church brings people together. Every new person she walks up to, she wants to know how they're doing. If she sees someone troubled, she's known throughout the entire community there for being a connector with other people, someone concerned and empathic for others. In terms of a grader, uh, in addition to the cake that she does every year, she writes acrostic poems. And uh, it's, these are beautiful. She brought one for me where she wrote my name on down along the side of the paper. And for each letter of my name, she wrote something about me that she learned just from coming to my clinic. To the point where the pastor of her church asked her to create one for every a new member and for every newly married couple in the church. And this is an incredibly creative way. And then finally, as a seer, you know, she's a very religious person. She She prays a lot. But also she took up meditation later in life. And this is how she deals with pains when, when she has them, how she deals with stresses is she meditates every day and it's something new for her. But her family members see her and they think, oh my God, if, you know, in, if someone in their 90s can learn meditation and put it into their lifetime, think of what I can do. So she's an incredible inspiration, a role model 
for her family. So that's how her chart, and when you write all that down, you see the enormity of what she has, where otherwise, if you spent a little time with you, you might not appreciate all of that. I'm talking to bottom line expert, Dr. Marka Gronin, about his new book, The End of Old Age, and how staying young starts with the understanding that we're not simply getting old, but that we are refining skills as we age. This book will turn your perspective on aging inside out with case histories and beautiful stories of how people evolve, not erode as they age. The End of Old Age is available at our Bottom Line store at bottomlinestore.com. And when you use coupon code EVOLVE, that's E-V-O-L-V-E, you'll get 20% off when you buy it. Visit bottomlinestore.com, your expert source for wellness and more. Bottomlinestore.com. So, right. So let's say like, once somebody completes this chart, or when should they complete this chart? Like, should they do it when they're 50 or should they do it when they're 70? Like, and think about like, what's my next stage going to be? Like, what's, when should they be doing this chart? I think at every stage of life, we can do a chart like that because it helps us not only feel good about what we've done, but it helps us think about the future, you know, because what we want to do in the next two, three, five years is going to be premised on what we've done before. I mean, that's our base. It doesn't mean that we can't go above and beyond and do different things, but it's important to have, you know, those basic skills to know at least where we start with. So I encourage people to, you know, from adulthood on to do this on a regular basis in the same way that you'd sit down with a financial planner and kind of lay everything out and talk about, you know, how do I, how am I going to save for the future? What insurance do I need? It's all the same process because you're thinking, especially when you're older, you think, well, this is what I can do now. What about five years from now? Or, you know, a big thing with Norma is as she's slowed down physically, you know, we've talked about what can she still do? Well, she can write acrostic poems. She doesn't need to be able to, you know, to walk or run or anything like that. She can sit at home and do it. Um, in fact, I feature her in, in the video from, from my book, which is on my website, markagronin.com. And it shows her doing acrostic poem and you see how dignified she is. And she talks about it. It's really beautiful to see. Wow. Okay. So that's a perfect example. I was actually just going to ask you, once you fill out the chart, now what do you do with it? And it sounds like what you really do is, well, it gives you a potential pathway as you're trying to figure out what your next step is. So you can see the skills and the values you have, and then you can select something in each of those areas or whatever area you want to pursue. Yes, it all depends on when you're preparing it, what's going on in your life. So for someone who is busy and active and you know they, they're working or pursuing something, it might just be about reminding yourself of, of what you've achieved and, and, and feeling good about it and, and storing it away for some, some other time. Someone f- facing adversity um, and they have to work through a problem, it reminds them of what they have. It'd be like if you, know, you have a you, great financial loss and you open up you know, your, your checkbook and your banking statements and you're looking at, well, what do I have here? What can I draw upon? And so you can use that chart for that. Um, and then when someone wants to make change, you can take this chart and start thinking about, you know, what's the bigger picture here? Um, who was I before? You know, what's going on with me now? How do I want to take these into the future? And the chart uh, is the basis for doing that as well. You know, it sounds very simple and it is simple, but it's also extremely powerful because people often just don't take the time to sit down and do that. And honestly, when people come into psychotherapy, sometimes what you do over weeks and over months is 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 putting together this type of table in a way, maybe not in a in a formal way in a piece of paper, but you're really talking about 
your life and your strengths and your abilities and, and your accomplishments and thinking about how you're going to evaluate those and reconfigure them and bring them into the future to solve whatever problems or difficulties you're facing. Yes. And again, so just to me, the most important and powerful point of the book is that there's this continuous improvement that people go through and this evolvement and this great level of skills that we all achieve as we age. And yet our mindsets are that it's shrinkage and it's not growth. And going through this exercise helps you see the growth in some of these areas. And this replies to every single person. So for instance, a lot of the people I work with in my clinic have Alzheimer's disease and family members come in and they say, I just, you know, they don't know what to do anymore. They don't know how to get them engaged in activities because they're, they're limited. And we sit down and we do this exercise and we come up with, well, what did they love? You know, someone who loved music, you can find activities having to do with music or if they, they love dancing or whatever it is, then you try to match that up with things that they can do that can give them meaning and joy and purpose, regardless of their state. And if, if you've ever worked with individuals who have limitations and you activate them through those uh, interests, it's, it's amazing to see that. And, and it really fills you with a sense of, you know, what aging can give us and bring us in our lives. Yeah. And I think actually with regard to Alzheimer's, you know, it's funny. I was doing an interview last week with a neurologist a very prominent neurologist in New York, and we were talking about Alzheimer's. And again, the vast majority of patients with Alzheimer's can continue to function in very high ways. They may need to adapt a little bit, but we need to re-understand and shift our belief and, and perspective on what Alzheimer's is. And it's not simply a pathway to a dark room in the end of life. Maybe there are a few people who actually do go through that dark pathway, but for most people, there's a whole different level of functionality that continues to exist. That's true. And it's, to me, it's all the same theme. Recognize, you know, what are your strengths? Recognize your humanity, your dignity. And that guides the way for everything we do in life. But the more we get into, I was just saying, the more we get into, the, you know, a negative perspective, it robs us of those opportunities. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk for a minute, speaking of negative perception, that there are a lot of people who go through tragedies, and you talk about something in the book called age points. And these age points are actually, they can be tragic, they're significant events that force somebody to rethink what's going on in their lives and rethink the pathways. So Nika, can you talk a little bit about what age points are and how they act as a catalyst to a new level of understanding? Sure. So one of the main arguments people will often pose against any attempt to, you know, talk about anything positive about aging, they'll say, yeah, but what about when this happens? You know, what about, you know, someone who, you know, uh, gets a severe illness or someone has a stroke or someone, you know, loses a spouse and they paint aging as, you know, all doom and gloom. And, you know, these, this is exactly the situations that people bring to me in my clinic. They don't come to a geriatric psychiatrist because, you know, times are good. They come to me with, you know, really difficult, often tragic situations. So I, I cast this as what I call an age point. And basically it's a, it's a point or a period of time in which there's some event or some situation that basically, you know, exposes a gap between what you're able to do and what you need to do for, for whatever this is. And, and people really get in this sense of almost paralysis sometimes because, you know, they, they don't, at least the time, have or think they have the abilities, the resources, you know, to get through this. But to me, this becomes an important developmental point because 
by addressing these situations, by working through it, we end up on the other side with uh, not only newfound skills, but it really reminds us of what our purpose in life is. You know, it's one thing when you're going to say, well, my, you know, my purpose is I want to do this, I want to do that. But when you've gone through, you know, what I call an age point, a difficult situation, you, you have to prove to yourself that this is my purpose because you have to put it into action. And for many people, these become some of the most defining creative points in their life. But the key thing is if you recognize it that way, it allows you to, uh, you know, have some hope as you go through it and to realize that what lies on the other end, the resolution to it, you know, a new way of thinking, feeling, looking at things can really not only regain your balance, you know, that's what we call resilience, but can take you to a whole new level and, and protect you in the future for facing, you know, other difficulties. Yeah, I think it's so important. And again, you know, you're calling it age points, but people of all ages have transitions in their lives. You know, their their kids or young people who have tragic accidents that they might they might have had a sporting accident, they may have had a car accident, they may have had some illness, and it changes the pathway and the perception of their lives. But they view that as and it can be tragic, but you know, those who are resilient view it as a new path. It's a, it's a catalyst to a new path for their life, but they don't view their world to be over or their life to be over. And I think that older people, when they hit these bumps in the road, there's a piece of it that says, oh, well, I'm done. So there's no, not the same level of resilience necessarily. And we need to get them to start thinking about that, get the bias out of that fact that there's a, a transition, a something happens and you're done because you're old. No, something happened and it's going to push you down a new pathway and something that you can take advantage of. That is, that is exactly what I emphasize in the book because, you know, we, we have a choice at that point. We can make, not only make the best of it, but we can use what we've learned through aging to make things better for ourselves, for other people, or we can kind of roll up and say, well, then, you know, that's the end of life. And, you know, now let's focus on, you know, how we're going to die. I think there's it's sometimes too much of an emphasis and interest on, you know, death with dignity, when we need to put as much emphasis on life with dignity, you know, instead of focusing so much on, you know, the last few days, weeks, months of life, how about the years or decades leading up to that, that we still have so much potential and so much we can do and give. Um, it's important to, to have a focus on that as well. Hugely important. Well, Dr. Marka Gronin, I love your book. I love the possibility and I love the inspiration that it opens up for people. And we're going to talk about, we're going to have a couple more conversations, talk about finding the purpose. We're going to talk about how creativity improves with age. But for now, thank you for talking about how wisdom improves with age and how we can start to find new levels of that wisdom. Your book, The End of Old Age, is available at our Bottom Line store, bottomlinestore.com. And thank you for talking to me, Dr. Marka Gronin. Sarah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I'm talking to bottom line expert, Dr. Marka Gronin, about his new book, The End of Old Age, and how staying young starts with the understanding that we're not simply getting old, but that we are refining skills as we age. This book will turn your perspective on aging inside out with case histories and beautiful stories of how people evolve, not erode as they age. The End of Old Age is available at our bottom line store at bottomlinestore.com. And when you use coupon code EVOLVE, that's E-V-O-L-V-E, you'll get 20% off when you buy it. Visit BottomLineStore.com, your expert source for wellness and more. BottomLineStore.com.